0: Welcome to our study on trusting God. This week we are looking at Chapter 7, God's Sovereignty and Our Responsibility. Now over the past few weeks, we have been talking about God's sovereign hand in every aspect of our lives, right? But we need to be cautious here that we don't begin to think that God's sovereignty negates any responsibility of ours to live responsible and prudent lives, right? Ladies, we have a responsibility to trust God, and one of the means of trusting God is prayer. Let's turn over in our scripture to Philippians 4, 6-7, and let's look at our memory verse that we have for this week. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In the Greek, it is saying here that we are commanded to be anxious for not one thing. When we truly accept the idea that God is in control over every aspect of our lives, and we know that His sovereign hand is in every event and circumstance, whether good or bad, then we should not be anxious, right? We can trust God in everything. But notice the verse goes on to say, But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Ladies, we are to pray about everything. No matter how small or insignificant it may seem to us, God is interested in the details of our life. In the most minute details to the grandest details. He wants us acknowledging him in all of our ways and all of our steps because he wants to care and look after every single step that we take. The four words used here for prayer show exactly how prayer is to answer to our anxiety and our worry. The first is the word prayer. Refers to the special times of prayer that we share in periods of devotion and worship. So special times that we set aside that we pray and worship God. And then there's the word supplication. Refers to the prayers that focus upon special needs. It's those times that you feel that really deep, intense need to call upon the Lord. And you just Fall to your knees and you pour out your soul to him. And the third word is thanksgiving. Now this means that we are to thank and praise God for all that he is and all that he has done for us. And then the fourth word is requests, which means specific and definite requests. Now our prayers when we're praying are not to be general, but specific. We are to lay before God exactly what is needed. The Lord wants us to ask specifically, but notice that he will answer according to his will. there's a verse in the Old Testament that shows in the original language that the Lord is actually, it shows he's bending down his ear because he wants to hear us. That's the type of loving God that we have. Scripture tells us here that we are to pray in everything, right? All day long, as we are walking and we're moving about our daily affairs, we should be communicating with God every second of the day. We should be aware of his presence. Then the verse goes on, and it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So as we're walking, ladies, in prayer, in fellowship with God, God infuses us with his presence and his perfect peace. Jonathan Edwards, who is the greatest preacher and minds of the 18th century, said this. He said, Prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is of life. This is how natural, ladies, prayer should be to us. Just as natural as you breathe, it should be the same as your prayer life. Prayer assumes the sovereignty of God. If God is not sovereign, we have no assurance that he is able to answer our prayers, do we? Our prayers would become nothing more than wishes. But while God's sovereignty, along with his wisdom and love, is the foundation of our trust in him, prayer is the expression of that trust. So we see that one of the means of trusting God is through prayer, right? So let's look at... Nehemiah chapter 4, and let's look at verses 6 through 9. It says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to the half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Zambolet, Tobiah, and Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Hashidites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, and the gaps were being to be closed. And they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Notice in verse 9 here. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Now, Nehemiah reflects God's sovereign plan to rebuild Jerusalem. Yet it repeatedly shows Nehemiah preparing strategically, positioning the army, the people, and making sure that they were armed and ready. They prayed, recognizing God's sovereignty, and posted a guard recognizing their responsibility. Ladies, there is no contradiction between praying and God's sovereign control. We pray for protection, right? For travel mercies when we're on the road, but we also need to put on our seatbelt and drive responsibly, don't we? We pray for healing and health concerns and yet we go to the doctor and receive medical treatments. God uses the circumstances in our lives to accomplish his will. God's sovereignty does not negate our responsibility to pray, but rather makes it possible to pray with confidence. Just as God's sovereignty does not set aside our responsibility to pray, it also does not negate our responsibility to act prudently. Now, to act prudently In this context means to use all legitimate biblical means at our disposal to avoid harm to others, to ourselves, and to bring about what we believe to be the right course of events. For example, let's take David. David continually evaded Saul while Saul was determined to kill him, right? David had already been anointed to succeed Saul, as king, as we see in First Samuel sixteen thirteen, And as we have seen in Psalms 57, 2, David was confident that God would fulfill his purpose for him. Yet David took all the precautions he could to avoid being killed by Saul, right? He hid from him and took every precaution he could to keep away and keep out of his sight so that he wouldn't die. Yet David took all the precautions he could to avoid being killed. He did not presume upon the sovereignty of God, but rather acted prudently in dependence upon God to bless his efforts. So here we have David who is hiding. He's running from Saul, trying to keep his distance. Now he could have just said, Okay, God, you've already anointed me to be the next king, so I'm going to trust you. Not to allow Saul to kill me. But no. He prudently acted. And asked the Lord to bless his efforts. Then we have Paul. Paul's life. Was an illustration of prudent action. Paul's trip to Rome for example. And the shipwreck. That occurred on the island of Malta. Recorded in Acts 27. Paul. Not only trusted. In the sovereignty of God. But he had. An expressed revelation from heaven that no one would be lost in this shipwreck now Paul took prudent action to bring about that which God by divine revelation had already promised would certainly come to pass he did not confuse God's sovereignty with his responsibility to act prudently when God revealed that he would deliver Paul And all of his shipmates, Paul trusted God, didn't he, and his promise of deliverance. But Paul didn't passively expect God to do the work. He acted accordingly to let those who were there know to keep the men from leaving the boat. You remember the men were getting panicky and they were going to jump ship. And so Paul had to go and let them know that he had a word from the Lord that everybody would be safe and then he went to the centurion and told him these men are getting ready to leave you need to stop them because they need to be on the ship to be safe so he acted prudently Paul did not consider God's sovereign purpose a reason to neglect his duty even though in that instance God's purpose had been revealed to him from an angel from heaven now In our own circumstances today, we don't know what God's sovereign purpose is in a specific situation. We should be even more aware not to use God's sovereignty as an excuse to shirk the duties that he has commanded in the scriptures. Now God usually works through means and he intends that we use the means that has been placed at our disposal. You remember the story of a man in the water drowning. And a boat comes by and throws out a life rope to help bring him in. But the man refuses and he says, Oh, no, thank you. God is going to save me. And so the boat leaves. And then pretty soon he's floating in the water trying to grasp for air. And another boat comes by and they throw out a life rope. And he refuses again. And he says, No, the Lord is going to save me. I know it. I'm trusting him to save me. Though that boat leaves. Well, to make a long story short, he ended up bobbling in that water until he couldn't stand it any longer, and he drowned. Well, when he got to heaven, he asked God, he says, God, why didn't you save me? I was trusting you to save me. And the Lord said in response, I sent you two boats, but you refused my help. Now, this is just a story, right? But it gets the point across that we need to use whatever is at our disposal when the Lord is giving that. We need to be able to use that. That might be the very means that God protects us, right? Well, let me tell you about a real life story. Daryl Gates, who was the chief of police in Los Angeles during the 1990 riots that tore apart much of the city, spoke at a Christian men's breakfast that my husband had put together. Now, as Chief Gates spoke to these 500 men, he mentioned the fact that I think is a great example for our lesson today. He used an illustration of a police officer who was on duty. And he had all of his gear, he had his baton, he had his gun, his bulletproof vest, all with him. Now remember, this was a time when there was a lot of gang activity was happening around them. And the police officer ended up getting shot that day. Well, had he had his bulletproof vest on, he would have been alive to this day. But the police officer didn't have it on. He believed enough to have the vest with him, but he didn't take the step of putting it on. Ladies, we can get complacent and say, whatever happens to me today is in God's sovereign will. But we have a responsibility to be prudent. We need to use every means we have to prevent something bad from happening It may be the very thing that God uses to protect us, just like that bulletproof vest could have saved that police officer's life. We should be even more aware not to use God's sovereignty as an excuse to shirk the duties that He has commanded us to do in scriptures. God usually works through means, and He intends that we use the means that He has placed at our disposal there's a saying that says i would be a more responsible person but i'm not responsible for the things i do see god created me an irresponsible person so he's responsible for my irresponsibility and you can't hold me responsible for that the bottom line is i'm not responsible god is ladies This is not the right attitude to take, is it? We need to make sure that we don't use God's sovereign hand in our lives as excuses for our shortcomings. Prayer is the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty and our dependence upon Him to act on our behalf. Prudence is the acknowledgement of our responsibility to use all legitimate means. We must not separate the two. An example of both prayer and prudence is Gideon. Now what a faith Gideon had. In just a brief time, Gideon's faith had grown well beyond expectation, grown from weak, wavering faith to an astounding faith. Judges 7 gives us the account of how he had an army of 32,000 and was to go against an army of 135,000. Now 22,000 of his men left out of fear, leaving only 10,000. Out of that 10,000, God gave Gideon instructions on how to pick the final amount to fight. It was a matter of trust to go against 135,000 trained soldiers. Now the soldiers were to gather at the creek and refresh themselves. Gideon was to separate those who cupped their hand with their hands and lapped the water like a dog, and those who knelt and drank with their mouths in the stream. He was to choose the ones who cupped the water. Now this is a picture on your screen here of an actual site that they believe in Israel, where Gideon's army actually went and got the water. Now there were 300 men who cupped the water with their hands and there's 9,700 of them knelt down on their knees and drank. So (laughs) you get it 9,700 soldiers were sent away and they kept the 300 soldiers who cupped their hands. Now this was a particular way of cupping could indicate that there were more alert and ready for the conflict right they were standing still on their feet just cupping their water getting ready in case an enemy attacked and so you have to remember at this time the enemy was camped only about four miles away and they were bound to have spies around that were keeping their eye on the Israelite army so for them to be able to cup their hand show that they were more alert and they were ready so the reason for this de- decrease Was to glorify God in their victory. Can you imagine? A lot of times when soldiers fight. They will come along. And they fight. And then when they win. Who gets the credit? They do right? Well when you have 300 men. Standing against an army. Of 135 trained soldiers. Who's going to get the credit? Naturally God is. There's only one way that that could get victory. This is the faith that God wants us to have. Strong faith. Absolute trust. Believing the impossible and refusing to be moved by doubt or question. We must depend, ladies, on God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Think about the farmer. He must have used all of his skills, right? He has his skills, his experience, his resources to produce a harvest. Yet he is utterly dependent upon God to control nature so that his crop will grow. God even gives him the very ability and the skills that he needs to run the farm. In every respect, we are utterly dependent upon God, aren't we? For as it says in Acts 17.25, He gives to all of us the life, the breath, He gives us all things. Now sometimes God reduces us to utter dependence upon Him when a loved one is desperately ill, beyond the expertise of a skilled medical service. Or maybe it's the unemployment has persisted to the point that the cupboards are bare And there's no job prospects in sight. At such times, we readily recognize our dependence and cry out to God for his intervention, don't we? But what about those times when we have a job and those cupboards are filled? What about those times when they do diagnose an illness and have the medicine to help through that? Those are times we also need to recognize our dependence upon God. Prayer is the expression of confidence in the sovereignty of God. Let's look at Psalms 57, verse 2. It says, I will cry out to the God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. Ladies, Daniel, as we see in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, cried out to the Lord also. Scripture tells us, that God answered his prayer the very first day and yet it shows that demonic forces tried to prevent him from receiving that answer Scripture shows us that 21 days later that it that is three weeks later Michael the Archangel was sent to help to deliver that prayer Daniel was not aware of this battle between Michael and the demonic forces but he didn't give up, did he? He continued to pray. Ladies, we need to continue in our prayer. We need not give up. We need to be praying constantly. Satan doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to receive those answered prayers. And he is going to do everything he can to delay it. But we need to trust God and know that he will answer our prayers We need to be diligent and continue to seek God's will for our life. Now as we conclude these studies on God's sovereignty and turn our attention to his wisdom and his love, we need to realize once again that there is no conflict in the Bible between his sovereignty and our responsibility. Both concepts are taught with equal force and with Never an attempt to reconcile them. Let us hold equally to both, ladies, doing our duty as it is revealed to us in scriptures and trusting God to sovereignly work out his purpose in our life, in us and through us. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Ladies, we need to allow God to direct our steps, but we also need to be prudent in the way that we live godly, responsible lives, seeking His will and His will for our life. Next week we are going to be looking at the wisdom of God as we continue in our study on trusting God. Until then, God bless.